Hello and welcome back to the Mode Sport Bethel podcast. I'm your host GD and joining me once again today is my friend and your co-host Vedant. On this episode, we'll be talking about the Hungarian GP coming up next weekend. So, let's grab some chai, take our seats, ready our opinions and dive right into the conversation. Hello Vedant. Midway mark of the Formula 1 2021 season. Next weekend, uh going into the summer break. I wouldn't say lots of storylines coming out of the British GP, but definitely some important storylines coming out of the British GP. Uh, the most important of them being uh, the 1.8 million pound or 1.8 million dollar um, damage cost to a Stappen's car that Red Bull has to, uh, you know, basically use up uh, over the course of the season. But the ramifications that uh, that cost will have uh, on Red Bull and on their title challenge, on Max's title challenge. Um, for the 2021 season what are your thoughts on them i mean it's definitely a big blow for red bull and uh, especially in the you know the first season of cost caps this uh, the season and all the teams are just trying to get hold of it and added to that we have a new set of regulations next season so it's a lot of variables this season in terms of cost itself and we have uh, i think the engine is also a major issue whether it would have to be replaced or you know everything like that and 1.8 million is a lot of money i mean it's it's an entire car even even valtteri bottas's car uh yeah that costed uh, mercedes a million million pounds i think exactly uh, back in emla exactly and i mean it's it's going to be a big blow for red bull no no doubt about Absolutely. that and i think the biggest one is uh, that of this season because you know going into next season we don't know where the cars will be or what how much they'll be developed or you know what what will the end packing order will be in 2022 but we know that you know red bull is in the middle of a championship fight this season and we want to see them win so uh, obviously like you said you know uh, maybe was ta- like you know if any of those six uh you know you six components of the power unit are damaged and you know have to be replaced that will put Verstappen on the bubble of getting grid penalties uh when using you know m- more than allocated number of those components you know uh, the power unit components um it might end up that Red Bull cannot develop the car as much because of the cost cap it might end up that uh Sergio Perez might not you know get the newest parts the newest upgrades because yeah. of this damage yeah. uh and i could even see red bull you know protesting the damage because at the end of the day lewis was penalized for um the for you know basically the racing incident for the crash and uh, you know for the entirety of it and for what happened basically you know uh putting what happened out, out of the race so red bull could definitely go to the fi and argue that hey um this was someone else's fault this is not my driver's fault so either you know mercedes compensate or or they are penalized so that there's some balance of performance if you if you want to put it that way you know so there's some balance of performance um during the course of this season and you know basically the next season it basically uh doesn't give mercedes an advantage in terms of cost by damaging red bull's car during a race yeah definitely and i think uh, going into the, into the summer break it's all these li- little you know s- smaller storylines that come into play and the the political aspect of formula 1 just gets even more evolved 
during these uh, these six weeks. Exactly, and uh, I think one thing that we mentioned uh, in a previous podcast was that the gloves are off. And I think another question that has been going around or making the rounds of uh, social media has been: Is the fact that we've reached the breaking point in the twenty twenty one F one season worth it? And by that, I guess what people are asking is: Is it worth seeing Max Verstappen and Lewis Hamilton? not give up anymore you know not make any concessions and just be ruthless on track is it worth uh, the risk is it worth you know the formula is it worth the entertainment that it will create for the formula 1 community well that's and how how do you think should like these two drivers approach the rest of the season considering that max will be hungry to get back at lewis uh, at hungary hopefully he'll be you know he'll be feeling much better he'll be in great shape once again uh it was a 51g crash probably the second worst crash in the recent history uh was happened uh, sorry grosjean's crash was 67g's uh back in uh sakhir so you know hopefully he's doing really well and he's in great physical form to come back and have a great weekend but you know mentally lewis cuz lewis has already made clear that he's not giving up anymore like he like he kind of did at the beginning of the season in imola in bahrain and so on uh lewis is putting his foot down and that was you know Lewis's way this weekend to show what's happened that uh, he's not he's not going to let what's happened have it easy and he's going to be just as aggressive as he can do but yeah like i said you know how do you think what's happened in Hamilton should approach the rest of the season uh, considering they both want to win the championship just as bad well it's it's a very difficult situation for both of them and as you said for us fans as well because we know Max Verstappen does not give up at any point on the track right and lewis hamilton has made it a point that now i mean he has learned from his mistakes essentially and will not yield position and will not you know break early for anyone whether it uh, be at max verstappen or i mean even if he's you know fighting a back marker and over- overlapping them so i don't think he'll go- he's going to do that as well and i mean we have uh, the cars today are super safe and we have come a long way uh, in terms of safety in formula 1 so i hope that nothing nothing bad happens and i'm i'm sure nothing bad will happen but as you said the the element of risk has just gone up and i think it's going to be a a physical season if you if you want to want to put it that way uh yeah i'm, I'm sure it will be and i will be interesting it will also be interesting to see especially for uh the fans who love a bit of bit of drama how toto wolf and christian horner get along for the rest of the season because uh at the beginning you know they were kind of chummy they were you know they <laughs> had little jabs in monaco around monaco uh, regarding what lewis had said about max and things like that and they got involved but uh, things are getting serious now and you might once again see um lewis hamilton and christian horner uh butting heads for the rest of the season well, talking but, talking sorry sorry to interrupt you but yeah, go ahead no problem talking yeah, about Toto Wolff and you know Christian Horner taking things in their own hands and going head to head against each other we have seen you know the, the latest introduction in the uh team radio graphics the FIA team uh, like the teams and FIA radio interchange and i think that just shows you how little school boys these uh, team principals are because <laughs> toto wolf emailed 
Michael Massey some you know regulations. I think I think didn't didn't Toto Wolff also go to the stewards after the race? Yeah, Toto Wolff did go to the stewards. And I think FIA F, FIA issued a directive saying that if if this happens again, uh, there'll be some sort of penalty or disqualification for for the teams or some something like that. Exactly, and Christian Horner said that I I don't want to go to the stewards because it's their job, and I and he doesn't understand why Toto Wolff went there, and Toto Wolff sent that sending that email and. these people constantly you know telling their stewards that hey this happened this happened this happened and all these little things so it was fun at first when we saw this graphic and you know we were uh, we saw a banter between the teams and the teams complaining a lot and all these things but now i've come to the feeling and especially as this championship fight progresses it just seems i mean unprofessional in a way or you know not up to the mark because people are watching them and they are heroes for many people in around the world right i mean i guess but like you know that that goes to show the how what the reality of the situation is but at the other point you said you know um it's i i mean i'm, I'm not going to talk a lot about uh, you know heroes and how how it shows like you know the way it represents formula 1 and these team principles as little school boys uh that might just be the rea- reality of the situation yeah. and we saw that happen with Cyril Abitbol and uh, you know Red Bull uh Christian Horner when uh, Red Bull and Renault were separating so we- we've seen this happen and i think DTS does a great job of showing that anyway you know even <laughs> if we don't see that graphic yeah. but i think my point uh, comes back to the fact when you pointed out that you know the stewards are trying to do a job and you have all these little things coming in from the team principles and things but at the end of the day we expect the stewards to do their job without bias right and if you let team principles then you know parties which are basically which basically have a vested interest in that situation incident whatever that matter is and if you have them have a say during the race how can you expect stewards to not be swayed or you know to not be frustrated uh, with one way or the other because at the end of the day if if i'm told over and i'm constantly you know badgering michael massey michael massey might just take a decision if he gets frustrated against my team yeah so we don't know and we we'll have to accept that decision so i think like you said you pointed out like this this is probably crossing a line and Obviously, we didn't know about all of this before that graphic came up, and before you know, uh, obviously Formula One let us into the paddock. Formula One and the teams let us, the FIA let us into the stewards' room and things like that, and gave us access to the communications, which is why the fans know how things are these days. But even if we didn't know, um, I think this is really like as if I was a steward. Although it's hard to imagine that, <laughs> but if I was you know trying to take a decision. Uh, that would affect two parties you know adversely uh, one more than the other or something like that um i would not want to hear from those parties unless it was you know a moderated discussion or you know we were actually going over the incident uh in in a very professional manner uh what when where the teams you know put in their thoughts and what they think should be done and then i go and assess everything myself uh without any external input so i think that maybe there needs to be some kind sort of limit or uh some some regulation or something that limits the amount of chatter you know the uh, team principals can have with michael massey because over the course of the last year and a half we have really you know talked we, we haven't talked well about michael massey a whole lot we've you know looked at his mistakes time and again and maybe this this is something that bothers him we don't know so it'll be interesting to uh, you know ask michael massey whether he would like um this like you know this chatter between him and the team principals to be curbed and whether he would perf- he w- he would think that he could perform better 
team principals and other other people from the pad it did not bother him as much during the race yeah definitely and i mean i was i was going to say this that the the fi the stewards are already consistently inconsistent right now and all these you know botherings and all these uh inf- influencing can obviously affect the decisions even more so as you said there needs to be some sort of you know stance taken by the stewards themselves um absolutely uh but going to the wicket who is your favorite bidar was it mercedes or is it red bull is it max verstappen or is it lewis hamilton or is it ferrari <laughs> uh because uh yeah. like we remember in monaco you know there was a lot of talk that if ferrari could carry the pace they showed in monaco to hungary they might be in contention for a podium place or maybe you know when obviously that seems like a far cry right now considering how far red bull and mercedes are from mclaren ferrari at the moment but uh we've seen charles leclerc and lando norris you know put it up there we even carlos sainz for ferrari and uh if if carlos sainz or charles leclerc were to put it on a podium this weekend i would not be surprised if i'm being really honest with you uh and that might also be be that also there also might be my bias speaking uh at this moment because i want to see charles leclerc get that win that he deserved in silverstone yeah i agree with you totally you know ferrari can definitely put it up there we have seen charles leclerc qualify very well this season and it it i mean it certainly won't be a surprise if he gets pole in hungary also red bull are quite good at hungary uh like fundamentally although 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 mercedes did win last year at hungary and uh, in a commanding way so because i think max only qualified p7 and then he had to make his way through the field uh to finish um p2, p2. yeah he he finished second but it it was a wet race and you know there were other characteristics but historically speaking red bull like hungary is a red bull circuit per se but call me a cynic and i'll be happy but i want lewis hamilton to win this race and max verstappen <laughs> to come second because as i mentioned in the previous podcast that that result would you know nullify the entire first half of the of the season absolutely they'll be at uh, par on, on points and we can have a 2021 you know restart to the season in a way and both the drivers <laughs> can you know refresh their minds and refresh the their goals and their agendas and yeah uh, take a new approach if they want i mean yeah that, that's that's a good point it will definitely spice up the championship even more uh, i was going to say something but i just lost my train of train of thought here um yeah i was going to talk about the mercedes development so obviously mercedes brought a lot of upgrades to silverstone but it seemed like most of those upgrades were uh, at straight line speed or you know yeah. high speed upgrades especially considering the way silverstone is a circuit so i wonder if they have uh, some of the upgrades for a basically like a low a track with a lot of low speed medium speed corners like hungary uh, which is on like the you know they don't have like a lot of high speed corners it's usually a pretty slow circuit so i wonder if mercedes will be as fast at hungary or whether they have upgrades specifically you know for this sort of circuit um and that'll be something interesting to see because mercedes did not do well at all um in monaco you know was bottas did but bottas did kind of put it up there but he was nowhere near uh, you know charles leclerc or max verstappen in that red bull and ferrari so it'll be interesting to see how mercedes have developed especially for hungary but again 
I think, you know, we'll talk about Mercedes, Red Bull, Max, and Lewis, but they're not the only things in that championship fight. The Perez and Bottas are playing, playing just as important a role in that championship fight between Red Bull um, and Mercedes, between Max and Lewis. And what can we expect from both of them? Because both Perez and Bottas have had an up-and-down season. Obviously, Perez came into the Red Bull team and he said, you know, I need five races before I can put in a performance. And then he got a podium. Which was great, uh, and I think that was in Baku. He, he, he won in that, Baku. It, he won in Baku. Exactly, he won in Baku, and ever since then, it has been kind of sort of up and down. It hasn't been a very consistent performance. Uh, Perez did struggle uh, last time out in Silverstone uh, massively, whereas Bottas had a decent weekend. He was still nowhere near Lewis Hamilton or his performance, but comparatively, Bottas was still up there to pick the points. You know, pick up the points for Mercedes, which is which is what is needed from both the drivers. Yeah, definitely. I think. I mean. The championship, the drivers' championship fight is between Verstappen and Hamilton, but Perez and Bottas play the biggest role for the team's championship. I hope uh, Perez can perform more consistently because if if Perez does not perform consistently, he he only has a one-year contract right now, and I mean it won't be a surprise if Red Bull let go of him. And I honestly don't want to see that. I want Perez to stay in Formula One. For a few more few more years, Valtteri Bottas, on the other hand, I mean, I have been I have had mixed, you know, mixed opinions of Valtteri Bottas throughout the years, but he has never shown, like he has the Mercedes and he has won a few races, but for me he has he is not that driver that can perform even better. I mean he. I think he has he is at his peak, so to say. Uh, I I think I think while uh, Sergio Perez over the course of the second half of the, of the season, Sergio Perez might just edge out Valtteri Bottas. Uh, it will definitely be interesting to see. But talking about Valtteri Bottas, there have been rumors recently that Valtteri Bottas is signing with uh, Alfa Romeo. Uh, there's nothing been uh, there hasn't been anything out of the Mercedes garage about Valtteri's contract. Obviously, Toto Wolff did say that they'll be deciding on their second driver over the summer break. So we might be hearing something very soon in the next couple of weeks, uh, especially after the Hungarian GP. But 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 um, Alfa Romeo seems like an unlikely place for Valtteri Bottas. You know, we all expected uh, Williams maybe, but Alfa is just um, something that doesn't fit right in my head. I'd say because. Uh, I, I don't I, I don't I just don't see Valtteri you know um, at at Alfa Romeo it doesn't seem like um, they, they they don't have like a previous you know relationship per se yeah and uh, I don't think Alfa Romeo really want someone like Kimi Raikkonen again per se you know someone who's on the decline kind of and you know who doesn't have that outright pace uh, to put it up there with uh, midfield teams like Alpine and Racing Point yeah definitely I mean. If Valtteri Bottas wants to stay in Formula One, he needs to like he'll he'll only get a seat in the bottom three teams per se, because every. So you're saying you're saying you're confident that Valtteri Bottas won't get a seat at Mercedes for 2022. No, no, no. Yeah, I'm sorry. I I I put my words wrong there, but I mean, if Mercedes let go of Valtteri and if he wants to stay in uh, Formula One for next season, I don't think any midfield team will pick him up. You know, McLaren's, the Aston Martin, uh, Alpine, all the all these teams, and Alfa Romeo seems the likely option because they are 
on the rise more than Williams and uh, Haas per se. Like for Valtteri, it it is a feasible option out of those three, but for Alfa Romeo, as you said, Valtteri is not the kind of person. I mean, he's firstly he's not a team leader. I don't see him leading the team uh, eventually, and with Alfa Romeo, like trying to uh, break that midfield mark, break into that midfield group. I don't think Valtteri Bottas. And I might be too harsh on him, but I don't think he he can perform well after racing for so many seasons in uh, Red Bull. Uh, I mean, in in Mercedes, we've seen Valtteri Bottas struggle in the midfield when he gets stuck in the midfield in a Mercedes, and uh, I don't even know what's going to happen when you put him in an Alpha. Uh, moreover, you know, considering uh, if 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 the rumors are even true, you know that Bottas is moving to Alpha, I think. Bottas will be moving in place of Kimi, you know, yeah. uh, replacing his uh, Finn friend there. But uh, Antonio Giovinazzi and Valtteri Bottas are just not the duo that you want in that car. If you want to uh, challenge for uh, points in the championship, you probably want either a youngster or another, um, you know, at least another driver who's trying to make it into Formula One uh, or, you know, he's done well in the past and needs a second chance. Maybe someone who's been in Formula One before, like Alex Albon, even. But Valtteri Bottas just doesn't seem like a good fit for Alpha. But you know, we'll we'll see how that story um, evolves after the Hungarian Grand Prix once uh, the actual silly season starts for this season. Uh, but yeah, honestly, I don't see Valtteri Bottas in Alfa Romeo. But I I might just be wrong uh, because I have no idea what's going on there at the moment. Yeah, it's I mean it, it's a silly season, and we'll talk a lot about that. In the coming few During weeks, break. so yeah, but exactly. But uh, yeah, going going down the field, you know, Fernando Alonso. I mean, I just I just I love talking about him, but yeah, we all know that. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so he has had a good few races, and but uh, recently he did an interview, and he he said that he's frustrated. That his rivals have not been penalized correctly, and he'll try to you know change his approach to racing, so that he can uh, take the most out of that grey area that the stewards leave. So, I don't. I I mean I am exciting to excited to see a new and more competitive Fernando Alonso. What about you? I mean, I'd say he's pretty competitive now, honestly. But uh, if he can take it to another level, I'm all for it. Um, like I said in, in our previous podcast, I was skeptical about Fernando Alonso coming back to Formula 1. But then I did make the comment that if Mercedes or Red Bull wanted a left field choice for a short-term contract in order to challenge for a championship, Fernando Alonso should be their top choice in that case. So I'm all for it. Uh, but yeah, we've, we've talked about Fernando Alonso. We've talked about Valtteri Bottas, Mercedes, Red Bull. But let's talk about... Our favorite Formula One driver on the grid, uh, Lando Norris. That yes. man is on a roll. Uh, you know, 15 consecutive points finishes. I think the most for a McLaren driver, which is crazy when you think about the fact that um, Lewis Hamilton drove for, drove for McLaren, Fernando Alonso drove for McLaren, Ayrton Senna drove for McLaren. So many greats drove for McLaren for so long, and yet Lando Norris is the longest uh, has has the longest streak for consecutive point finishes and going. 
uh, just goes to show you know like i said before and i've said it multiple times now i'll say it again because i am not ashamed of it anymore uh landon norris is the 2023 <laughs> world champion uh, <laughs> uh, uh you know you mark my words but you got to give it to lando man like his consistency has been top notch um and we've talked about this again again we talked about george russell and charles leclerc when they came into uh formula 1 alongside alex albon we talked about those three but lando norris kind of slipped under the radar and we were like you know um he's he's done well in the past but we don't know what we can expect from him but i think of the four people who graduated to formula 1 from his class he's probably the best in the game right now uh and i'd rate him hi- higher than charles leclerc in terms of you know my trust for lando norris to finish in the points like i wouldn't trust charles leclerc to finish in the points as often as lando norris or to put in as good a performance starting up the grid because Charles Leclerc we know is a little bit dicey he puts in those risky moves but Lando Norris has a calm and calculated head on his shoulders and he's done exceptionally well this season now obviously the question is can he keep that P3 place in the drivers championship both Valtteri Bottas and uh, Sergio Perez are hot on his heels but not as consistent which bodes well for the Briton absolutely and i mean Lando Norris is ab- always there to pick off the points that uh, the mercedes and red bull drop off and i think i said this in uh you know for a uh, first podcast after the testing after winter testing that if anyone can pick up those points that these top two teams and mclaren are the prime candidates for it lando norris is the prime candidate for it they can really affect that championship battle itself because if they beat like we have seen lando norris being cautious while fighting perez and bottas not so cautious but you know still uh, maintaining his distance so to say but if if he can uh, you know beat perez or bottas on on merit on a, on a good day I think that might affect the championship a whole lot, and uh, and we know that Perez and Bottas are dropping points massively, and that just you know, I I can I I think he can keep that P three. Yeah, now now that you talk about not affecting the championship, the other thing that I want to talk about was at what do you think Red Bull and Mercedes will use their customer teams or junior teams? Uh, as as a part of their championship you know battle uh will will red bull ask alpha tori to you know block louis hamilton and um, valtteri bottas when they're about to lap them or you know after after a round of pits uh will they use pierre gasly and sonoda in that way or will mercedes use george russell um and um, maybe nicolas latifi or you know maybe the mclaren with the partnership they have which is unlikely but may, may, maybe george russell in a way to you know uh, affect the affect the race Uh, from weekend to weekend uh do you see that happening at all especially i guess in red bull's case who have a much closer tie with uh, the sister team alpha tori i mean i don't see any reason why they won't do that obviously there might be a controversy uh i mean if things go out of hand per se uh but i think they can try it i think they can influence the championship in that way it would be unsportsmanlike uh so to speak but then again you are you are fighting for the championship i don't think it's i mean it's it, as the go as the saying goes it's all all's fair in love and war right uh 
So and this is war. This is war. <laughs> uh, 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 I guess it is, but um, I don't know. Um, I, honestly, I I don't see Red Bull uh, like Cristiano or Toto Wolff doing that. Uh, if, if I'm being honest with you, I don't. I just don't see it happening. Uh, there might be there might be a controversy or you know a conspiracy theory arising if 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 one of the Alfa Tauri's tangled with the Mercedes yeah. or uh, you know if if George Russell tangles with one of the Red Bulls. Yeah. So uh, we might have controversy coming from that or a conspiracy theory. But I don't really see Red Bull and uh, Mercedes playing that dirty. But who knows, you know. Uh, but talking about McLaren and Lando Norris, uh, let's talk about Daniel Ricciardo. He had a better race in Silverstone, and it seemed like he ma- made a step forward finally after the three weekends. Now, uh, early in the season, especially after Barcelona, I was of the opinion that hey, let's not look at Daniel Ricciardo's one-off, you know, good performance and say that he's made a step forward or he's doing better in that car. But uh, I don't know. It was something about his performance in Silverstone which made me feel like, all right, he's taking a step in the right direction and uh, he's made some progress in that car. I wouldn't say he's he's close to Lando Norris and what Lando Norris is doing in that car, but I think uh, Ricardo is starting to figure out what he needs to do differently or he, he's either changing his approach, but whatever he's doing is seems to be starting to work for him in that McLaren car um, after, you know, ever since the Silverstone weekend. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And Daniel Ricciardo himself said that he has accepted the fact that he is not in that same position he thought he would be uh, going into the season. And I think a change in mentality and you know acceptance of that that fact is helping him uh, forge his way forward better. Obviously. The P5 in Silverstone was the peak of his McLaren career so far. We want to see him go higher and higher. But as you said, that performance in in Silverstone was vastly different from that in Spain. And it, I mean, it it felt like he was on P5, like at P5 on, on merit. merit. Exactly. Because he, he defended really well from... Um... From Carlos Sainz, uh, who we all know does really well in that Ferrari, especially on lo- long race stints. So, you know, uh, and it wasn't like he was racing in, where was it before, Silverstone? In Austria, where, you know, you could, you were defending into turn four or something like that. Yeah. Where e- e- Even where, you know, Daniel Ricciardo put, put up a good show, but he couldn't uh, hold Carlos Sainz much longer. But regardless, uh, definitely seems to, seems to me like he's made, made a step in the right direction. Uh, one last point that we want to discuss today will be uh, I think it was something from the race fans article that we saw uh, earlier in the week that as red flags become more common, should F1 ban repairs during suspensions or just not use red flags as often as Michael Nancy is using <laughs> these days? Yeah. Uh, go back to the old Charlie Whiting days when red flags weren't as um, you know as common. I think see the re- the red flags are being used as an entertainment element more than a safety al- element at this point in Formula One. Because the frequency of it is... See, I have been following Formula 1 for a lot of years now. And I have been watching every race for two years, like a year and a half only. But the number of red flags I have seen in these uh, a year and a half are more than what I have seen in the past. So there's definitely a change in mentality, mentality a change in approach. And I... I think this is being done for the entertainment value and not for the sake of safety, which brings us to the point that it can be reduced, right? But if they don't want to reduce it, and I said this 
last season when the red flag in monza kicked in that they should not be able to you know change tires and uh, do repairs because pierre gasly won that race because of that red flag in monza in uh, 2020 obviously he defended very well from uh, carlos sainz and that latter part of the race he performed ex- exceptionally well but it was that red flag that allowed him to get an extra uh, get a free pit stop right so it's definitely something the formula 1 should consider i mean yeah but uh, like i i wouldn't like to add a lot more to this conversation at the moment at least because i would like to like you know go back and go through the rules and see you know when when is a red flag necessary and you know figure out those things and when in the past have uh, red flags been used under what conditions and things like that because obviously having cars on track while you're making repairs at the barriers is tricky and it's not exactly safe but it'll be interesting to do a study and you know at least look into the fact that why um is, is it just that the the way we are you know the crashes that are happening these days are just more and more um uh difficult to you know uh, take care of does it take more time in general for the crashes to be uh taken care of and the barriers to be repaired uh is that something that has happened in the recent times because we've seen in the past where you know uh, where we know okay uh it's going to take 45 minutes to repair a barrier because of you know x y and z reasons and things like that and that is when you red flag a race because you don't want to lose a lot of track time but yeah, um if if you if you're just putting on red flags for let's say 15 minutes uh then it's is it really worth it uh you know uh, obviously for entertainment purposes that makes sense but uh from a racing perspective is it something that is enhancing the racing or is it, is it taking away uh from 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 racing in general you know for especially for the teams uh who are at, who have an advantage in the race during that time uh or are at a disadvantage that they don't know of but might come away unscathed because of that red flag like in Lewis Hamilton's case um last weekend you know when he had a wheel failure but that was only identified and taken care of because of the red flag after uh, Max Verstappen crashed out so obviously there are things to consider and i think um even as fans we should look into it uh, before you know we comment any further yeah. uh, definitely it, it seems a little odd that we 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 have had way more red flags in the recent past than uh, ever before but uh, maybe this is a part of FIA's safety regulations and you know the way FIA is approaching safety on track um, going into the future so this might become the new normal uh, for the next uh, couple decades uh, for all we know uh, but definitely food for thought for our listeners and for us too Yeah definitely I mean I just gave my you know first reaction as such but as you said we we need to look into it and because it's a change in trend and it's I mean it's it's tricky because at at the one hand there's safety cons- safety of the drivers and of the you know repair workers and all these people so I think it's something to think about yeah absolutely uh but that's all from my side for this weekend without anything from you before we wrap up this podcast well no i think hungary is going to be a spicy affair i think max verstappen wants that win back i think lewis hamilton i mean we know that max verstappen uh, wants that win I, we know lewis hamilton wants to uh you know continue fighting and get even on that championship and i think it's going to be one of the spiciest races we have seen if 
the pace on the two two cars are similar it's going to be very entertaining uh absolutely couldn't agree more but uh, that's from that's all from our side for this weekend thank you vidan for joining me once again uh, and i'm really excited for this weekend at hungary and also guys don't forget indycar is coming back in two weeks for the final six rounds of the indycar championship uh it is as close as ever with alex pillow leading the championship scott dixon uh hot behind uh hot on his heels with a pato award in third so stay tuned for more motorsport action um on motorsport better thank you for joining us